You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and uh, hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again, welcome once again. It is so very nice to have you back with us here each and every week. So, first of all, to start off our show, we've been asked a question. And the question that we were asked uh, this week, first off the bat, is we do, in fact, play the Orange Blossom special. We're going to be coming back to that. Interesting that this question was brought up because we were going to discuss the Orange Blossom special. But we were asked, who, 
Who plays the Orange Blossom special? Who is the... Well, it comes from a set of recordings called Fiddle Classics. These are fiddle classics, not violin classics. And, of course, I hope you understand the difference between the fiddle and the violin. And it comes off of the record Fiddle Classics, and the fiddler in question is, of course, the great Felix Slatkin. That's right, Felix Slatkin is the the man behind the fiddle on our little piece of opening music here. So now you know. We've had a very busy week here. Uh, I think pretty much we're all finally uh, kind of in a general recoup uh, airspace after the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, although uh, we do have uh, some people who have come down with the Hoodoo Heritage Festival crud. And so all of our well wishes go out to everyone who has ended up a little sick because of being around, well, you know, 140-odd people uh, during the weekend. I've been fighting it a little bit myself, but other people have had worse cases of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival flu, and so we hope that all of you will feel... Before we go over to the news, uh, we got a few letters this week. And uh, many of them were very kind, very generous, very wonderful letters, and we want to thank you all for that. And because of those wonderful, nice letters, we are having a new segment of the show. Uh, We had, had as the middle part of our show, a section called uh, What We Do. Well, What We Do is now going to go take a little rest. And, of course, you know we've had... uh, divination and you and of course you know before all of that we started with the secrets of scriptural sorcery well we're introducing a new segment to the show this week we have been request we've received requests here now for quite a long time uh over a year uh to have a little segment on the show where i would talk about reading playing cards and we're going to start that this week. It's going to take many weeks, and so, you know, collect them all, kids. They're like trading cards. Uh, So this week, we're going to start the very first in our new segment about uh, reading playing cards, and we hope you enjoy it, particularly since you requested it. That being said, we got at least one, we actually got more, but we got at least one rather strange and nasty letter, and we're going to let the writer of that odd missive remain anonymous and they had several criticisms for the show and the most strange just the oddest criticism that they had for the show that i wanted to share with you is that the show starts with the orange blossom special so it's interesting that right off the bat we were asked by someone completely unrelated uh, who does the Orange Blossom special at the beginning of the show? Because we were castigated that we begin the show with the <laughs> Orange Blossom special. And apparently it is terribly insensitive of us 
to start the show with the Orange Blossom special because it represents the United States railroad system, which is uh, mired apparently in colonialization, racism, hostility, death of the earth, and other things. And so we are the terrible supporters of railroads, and uh, we will take that criticism, and we will own it. Yes, we like railroads here. We like railroads here on the Now You Know Show. We like railroads. We like railroad songs. We like railroad music. We like railroad models. We like railroad Anya, which is the collection of ephemera and other collectibles involved in the railroads. In particular, here, uh, we like uh, the uh, Santa Fe and uh, – we even like Burlington Northern in Santa Fe, and we, we like their shields, and uh, we are big, big fans of, <laughs> of, of the Super Chief. So there you go. Guilty, I guess, as charged. Uh, but in the end, I suppose the only uh, judge of our guilt for such things will be history itself. And speaking of history itself... Let's go over to our own Patchy Fogg, who's in the LMC Radio newsroom as we speak for a little bit of history from him. Good evening. This is the news read by Philip Fogg. Today is Thursday, May 25th, the 145th day of 2017. There are 27 days until summer begins and 220 days left in the year. Today and tomorrow are both auspicious days to cut firewood, mow to increase growth, dig holes, buy a car, host a party, travel for pleasure, and kill plant pests. Any seeds planted during these two days will tend to rot in the ground. Happening in the evening hours. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1977, when the first Star Wars film, later renamed Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, was released by 20th Century Fox. Also on this date in 1787, the Constitutional Convention began at the Pennsylvania State House Independence Hall in Philadelphia after enough delegates had shown up for a quorum. In 1810, Argentina began its revolt against Spanish rule with the forming of the Primera Junta in Buenos Aires. In 1916, the Chicago Tribune published an interview with Henry Ford in which the automobile industrialist was quoted as saying, quote, History is more or less bunk, end quote. In 1935, Babe Ruth hit his last three career home runs, numbers 712, 713, and 714, for the Boston Braves in a game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates, however, won 11-7. In 1942, United States Army Lieutenant General Joseph Stilwell, frustrated over being driven out of Burma by Japanese forces during World War II, told reporters in Delhi, India, quote, I claim we got a hell of a beating, end quote. In 1957, the third tube of the Lincoln Tunnel connecting New York and New Jersey was open to traffic. In 
1961, President John F. Kennedy told Congress, quote, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth, end quote. In 1968, the Gateway Arch in San St. Louis was dedicated by Vice President Hubert Humphrey and Interior Secretary Stuart Udall. In 1981, Daredevil Dan Goodwin, wearing a Spider-Man costume, scaled the outside of Chicago's Sears Tower in seven and a half hours. In 1986, an estimated seven million Americans participated in the Hands Across America to raise money for the nation's hungry and homeless. Today's birthday greetings go out to Actress Ann Robinson, who is 88. Country singer and songwriter Tom T. Hall is 81. Actor Sir Ian McKellen is 78. Country singer Jesse Coulter is 74. Actress singer Leslie Uggams is also 74. Movie director and Muppeteer Frank Oz is 73. Actress Karen Valentine, 70. Actress Jackie Weaver, 70 as well. And rock singer Klaus Meany of Das Scorpions is 69. We also wish to send out birthday greetings to air member John St. Germain, whose birthday will be on the 27th of this month. Happy birthday to you, Reverend. Our thought for the day comes from Friedrich von Schagel. German diplomat and writer, born 1772, died 1829, who said, quote, a historian is a prophet in reverse. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trunk in group for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, when you need not just trust in goofer dust as advised by the nicholas brothers because we have the numbers and card for you here each and every week this week's lucky numbers as always come to us from professorporterfield.com why not stop on by there and take a look and they are 18 t1 27 35 48 and 55. Once again, those numbers are 18, 21, 27, 35, 48, and 55. And I have to tell you, although it is a slightly unusual grouping of numbers, 
this, I have a very good feeling about these numbers this week. So jot these down. If you see them hit later, you're going to kick yourself. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 350. That's 350. 454. That's 454. And 817. That's 817. 350 is very good right now as we move towards Saturday and Sunday. 454, which I feel is a very good number right now, is going to hold sway almost through Tuesday. And then from about Tuesday on to next Thursday, 817 is going to be ruling very, very strongly. And I feel that 817 is going to really see the week out with a lot of luck and strength. The card of the week is the Six of Hearts, the Road of the Heart. New love or meetings, unexpected happiness. This is a week to get out and about and be ready for meetings and new romance. A week to build on the happiness that you already have and to find the happiness that you have been looking for. Beware of sullen thoughts, stubbornness, or cynicism this week as it will not serve you well. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and card when they first come out. And if you hit, <laughs> remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. English pea salad 
Now, the total time on this is 120 minutes, and it will serve eight. For this recipe, you will need the following ingredients. You're going to need one 14-ounce can of English sweet You're going to need three-fourths of a cup of finely diced cheddar cheese, three-fourths of a cup of finely diced celery, one-half a cup finely diced sweet gherkins or sweet pickles, one-half a cup finely diced pimento, one-half a cup of mayonnaise, and one-half a teaspoon of salt, and then finally one-fourth of a teaspoon of fine ground white pepper. Now, to make this is simplicity itself. Really, it takes no time at all. Most of your time is taken up getting everything together and chopping everything up in little tiny bits. But once you've done that, all you do is combine the peas, cheese, celery, pickles, pimento, mayonnaise, salt, and pepper in a medium-sized bowl. Toss it lightly to coat evenly, and then cover it and refrigerate it for at least two hours. Now, a lot of people like to add a little bit extra in this to suit their tastes. And so I will tell you that some of the additions to this that many people enjoy are one half a cup of finely diced hard-boiled egg, one half a cup of cubed, little tiny cubed ham, also, a lot of people like, before it's served, to put a little sprinkling over it of either cayenne pepper or sweet paprika. And so both of those, all three of those are perfectly acceptable. And if that's how you're used to it or you just want a little, maybe you want to add a little ham and egg to it because you want to make it a little heartier because you want to take it and have it as just what you're going to eat for lunch. That's fine. Experiment with it. You can't really go wrong with just the base. And I hope that you will take the time to make it up, mix it up, put it in your refrigerator, let it chill, and then enjoy it. But I will remind you, since we're talking about how hot it gets, that this recipe does have mayonnaise in it. So please be careful to refrigerate it. Don't let it sit out or it will make you terribly, terribly sick and you'll end up in the hospital. So there you go. There's my mama's English pea salad recipe, something cool from the kitchen today instead of something hot. And I hope y'all like it as much as I do. So until next week, I'll say bye-bye to y'all. And now we're going to turn it back over to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Thank you, Miss Loretta. So I, I have to admit that uh, I, I am used to English pea salad uh, with uh, boiled egg in it. So my mom makes it, as she's talking about in the chat room as we speak. So uh, she brought some of this uh, English pea salad in earlier today, as she often does. And we had it here for lunch, and it was it was really good. I found out, interestingly enough, that Patchy Fogg likes to eat his English pea salad on wedges of toast. 
uh, on wedges of toast, and he even he called it poor man's caviar. So <laughs> there you go. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, we're going to be talking about sex. Yes, we've talked about it before, but it's a big topic, so we're going to be talking about it again. Also, a warning to you all, this week's series of Name It and Claim It, all four of them, oh, I set the bar pretty high. I like to do that. Everybody's talking about chicken and rice. Dishes are mighty nice. Get around, you girls, and listen to me. I want to tell you about my baby's recipe. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. There's a gal named Miss Fanny Brown. She cooks the best gumbo in this town. All of you chicks can really cook. But Fanny Brown's learned something you don't learn in the books. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. Ninety-nine times I've tried to eat all those fine fancy cuts of country meat. Just can't eat a single bite. I just don't have the appetite. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. She wouldn't give no one a pudding but me. Yeah, she promised me she wouldn't give no one a pudding but me. But I don't believe her. I'll just have to wait and see. Gonna watch my baby both night and day. So she won't give my pudding away. My baby's pudding is all she owns. So there ain't no meat for Henry Jones. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. I like my baby's pudding. I like it best of all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know why that was the lead-in song to us talking about sex, you need to go back and listen to that song again in the archives. So, tonight we are handing out egg rolls. Well, actually, they're spring rolls. We're handing out spring rolls. They're nice and crispy, and they've just been made here uh, by Miss Loretta, and we have a choice. We have a, a purely vegetarian chicken and pork uh, spring rolls. And so you get your choice. And so one of those spring rolls goes to Troll Towelhead, chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, because he 
correctly got the song title, which is I Like My Baby's Puddin'. And that was, of course, Wanani Harris. That's right, from 1950. Oh, yes, 1950, when that was number five, number five in the U.S., what was then called race charts, would later be called R&B, but that was number five in on the U.S. race charts in 1950. And so leads us into tonight's topic, which is sex. Now, in the past, we've talked about sex, and we've talked about how we were talking about workers and responsibility and ethics, and we've talked about how some workers can, oh, you know, in a nasty sort of wicked way, uh, manipulate um, for sexual attitude. They can, they can try to get sex out of their clients. So we're going to talk about something a little different tonight. Tonight, we're actually going to be talking about sex. We've also talked about how people are, ain't very shy about violence, but they're pretty goddamn shy about sex. Tonight, we're going to take a much broader look at the topic, if we may. There is a odd little thing that's going on. And I want to try to do my little part to nip it in the bud before it grows any bigger. I doubt I can, but, you know, if we all do our part, then maybe some change comes in life. What I've seen is there has been, of late, a lot of sexual judgment in the hoodoo and root work and conjure community. Now, let me be real clear what I mean by that. What I mean by that is there have been a number of voices that have been getting louder that are taking a certain conservative tone about sex and sexual matters. I don't mean a reasonable tone. I don't mean an educated tone. I don't mean a sagacious tone. I don't mean an adult tone. I don't mean good counseling tone. I mean a conservative tone a chilling tone, a shutdown tone. And that's their right. Everybody can have whatever attitude about whatever they want to, but when they mingle it with fake history and fake facts, you know I'm going to be the first one to open up his silly mouth live on the radio or in public. I might even write a book about it. You never know. So here I am doing just that. This attitude that I have seen presented that hoodoo, root work, conjure, is antithetical to sex positivity. That's a pretty big and fancy goddamn sentence, isn't it? That antithetical to sex positivity. What the fuck does that ever mean? That means that there are people trying to pass around a bill of goods that hoodoo root work and conjure are judgmental about sexual matters, quiet about sexual matters, poo-pooing sexual differences, sexual choices, sexual lifestyles, sexual behavior, and that it is in fact sex negative, that it is in fact a philosophy, a tradition, a discipline that talks primarily and solely about 
heterosexual, partnered, male-female couples having sex under the auspice of marriage for procreation in the dark with the lights out in the missionary position. This is 10 pounds of hogwash in a five-pound bag, all right, period. I mean, literally, I could just stop right there. I could just go, and thanks for listening to the pontification, and next week we'll be talking about turtles. You know, I mean, next week we'll be interviewing psychics from the water department because I almost feel uh, ridiculous that I have to stand up and, and have this conversation. Not ridiculous because it's about sex, but ridiculous because this is as if someone stood up and said, well, you know, hoodoo was invented by Irish people, and hoodoo primarily comes from Irish indentured servants, and then African-American people who were in slavery picked it up from the Irish, and it's 100% Irish. As ridiculous as that. And and obviously we know that <laughs> no one would ever say anything that silly. And they did say this and more about sexual attitudes. Now, what this is, in my opinion, is this is a backlash. This is an inevitable sort of thing. Society progresses and people go, oh, no, I want it back the way I perceived it to be in the past. I don't want the actual past. I want my flim-flam, fake-ass, hypothetical, hallucinatory past that I believe happened that I can't at all support with any sort of evidentiary, uh, you know, anything, books, records, songs, people's testimony at all. But that's the way it was. I'm just going to stick to, you know, you know, the Republican platform. So the problem is that it didn't exist. People have always been sexual. That's the reason you're here. That's the reason I'm here. And sexuality has always been a part of hoodoo. Listen, you're hearing this from the horse's goddamn mouth. I'm the son of a gun who wrote The Sporting Life. I mean, do you think for a minute I was going to let this stand? Did you think for a heartbeat I was just going to go, sure, yeah, let's just say that and move on? No way. No how. Not going to happen. Now, then there are some people within this that instead are trying to sell their particular vision against whatever, quote-unquote, in their word, perversion has come along. Because, of course, it's perversion if you do something in your bedroom that I don't like. Well, fuck you, man. Come on. So we see people saying not this broad statement that hoodoo is uh, you know, sex negative. We hear people say there's nothing in hoodoo – there's nothing in hoodoo to support a woman having two men that she has on a string or she has relationships with them or, I guess, under what somebody nowadays might call polyamorous. You know, there's a variety of interpretations there. There's nothing in hoodoo for a man to have more than one woman. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you out of your mind? I can think of three spells off the top of my head 
I mean, just off the, just like, uh, da, 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 I'm walking along singing a song. Oh, well, there's this thing with uh, three nails, and they make them a triangle, and there's coffee. And then there's this other thing with where you tie the thing together. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. That's not even looking into it. If you looked into it, you'd find more. Now, is it actually what people nowadays would call polyamory? No, probably not. This is probably actually people having you know, multiple partners or having outside families or outside women or outside men, etc. But it's there. And so now people are saying, oh, it's not there. This is the same issue that we had when we talked uh, on the show here about the place in hoodoo and in conjure and in root work of gay, lesbian, and trans people. They, oh, it just wasn't there. Bullshit. It was there. You're choosing to edit it out. Now, then we have people saying, yes, yes, of course, hoodoo's using sexual components, meaning sexual fluids or menstrual blood or semen, etc. But it itself is not to bring about sex. It's only to bring about love. When did this division start? When did, when did this new monastic attitude suddenly get thrust into the middle of hoodoo that somehow sex and love are compartmentalized into fully different places that they're they're not even on the same train we keep those boxcars on different shipping routes what no oh by the way we mentioned boxcars because we're pro railroad oh well anyway that's not true either we see that sex and love are entwined of course they are where you know this is not Arthurian myth, boys and girls. This we're not talking about questing knights with their unrequited love here. All right, we're talking about good old-fashioned love sex. I want to get with that gal. I like her. I like the way she walks. I can set my watches bump bump ba bump and I want to get with her and I want to make her mine and I want to live with her and I want to have kids with her and I want her to be my wife and my partner and all of that. And the women are saying the same thing. I like the way he looks without his shirt on when he's working. He looks good. I like the way he smells and I want him to be my man. To even suggest that the sexual experience is not a part of hoodoo is ridiculous. Normally, I come into a pontification, and man, I got my points. I've got it bullet pointed. It's out. I've got boom, 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 boom. And I can tell you, this one I'm almost at a loss because it so flies in the face of what is reality. It is so off the chart that it's almost difficult to respond to. I mean, I feel like... The only way to respond to this is in one of two ways, either to A, simply say it's false and give a few points and hopefully move on, or B, sit here and talk about the entirety of what hoodoo is. I'm not going to do either of those. I'm going to try to find a third path. Sex is a part of normal life. Okay. Now, maybe what we're seeing and hearing with this foolishness is that people are actually misspeaking. Maybe what they're trying to say is that people are being too public about it. Maybe what they're trying to say is that these were private matters in the past. And in that, 
I would have to agree. I'm not agreeing that the people are being too public about it, but I agree that people are being public about it. I agree that in the past, these topics were talked about in a less public way and that they were talked about in very gendered spheres. Men talked to men, women talked with women, but they were still talking about this. And let's not pretend that Hoodoo has some sort of father-confessor thing where you go into a little booth and discuss these matters with a veiled figure through a latticework. Of course not. People were talking about this, and they were trading work. In other words, someone would say, I'm alive, and your buddy at work would say, oh, well, let me tell you. And then he would tell you one of two things. He would either tell you, A, you do this. Just do this. Get her to sit on a bed with you, and if she sits down on the bed, like if you got no furniture in your house, and get her to come over and have her sit on the bed. And if you sit on the bed with her and you're holding a piece of John the Conqueror in your hand, she'll be yours. Or your buddy might have said, oh, well, you got to go and see Miss So-and-so or Dr. So-and-so or even for a short period of time back in the day, Professor So-and-so. And they'll set you up because I went to them. And they gave me this thing to bathe in or cologne to wear or this bath to take or taught me how to capture her footprint or gave me this candle to burn near her house, etc. Or burnt the candle for me or went to their spirits and did whatever. And that would be the two kinds of advice you would get. Now, we know that's true. And yes, people are speaking about sexual matters in a much more open manner than they ever perhaps have. And this is a threat to those with their fictitious past who want to have society toe a particular line and fulfill a particular bill of goods that they're selling. But sex is not something that need be shameful or hidden, etc., now, that being said, you shouldn't be going all out either. Remember, sex is about consent. Sex is about consent. And so, just as you seek to find consent from a partner and to obtain consent from a partner, male, female, or otherwise, so that you can have sex with them, so, too, you must have some, let's say, manners towards the consent of others. You know, listen, it might be great for you and your partner for you to lead your partner around on a dog chain, you know, through a park. But the problem with this is is that you're engaging in something for you that it has a sexual component, is a part of your sexual life, and you are doing it without the consent of all of those people that are around you because you're in a perfectly public spot, a perfectly public place. Now, do I think that Facebook, as an example, is a perfectly public place? No, of course not. I have to get on your page somehow, you know, etc. And you have a right within your space to say what you're going to say, and I have a right to walk the hell away and block you, ban you, unfriend you, unfollow you. There are multiple options. So there is some degree of sensitivity that is necessary here. I don't care how much you and your gal like each other. I don't want to see you fucking while I'm ordering my steak fingers at Dairy Queen. Okay? First of all, it's a Dairy Queen. I mean, for God's sakes, have a little, you know, something. That's a, I mean, a Dairy Queen? How how sexy is a Dairy Queen? 
I mean, come on. The place smells like French fries. Okay, apparently you've got this French fry fetish thing going. All right, fine. You can make French fries at home. <laughs> so don't mistake this to think that I am supporting this attitude that's saying, down with this sort of thing. No, no, it's terrible. Oh, my God. What won't somebody think about the children? But at the same time, I am saying, use some common decency, some respect towards your fellow people in the world when you're out and about in perfectly places. When you're not in perfectly public places, that's a different matter. Anyone who pays the door admission at a sex club and walks into it and is offended that there's sex going on in the sex club should have read the big sign outside that said sex club. All right? I mean, come on. It didn't say prayer meeting. All right? It said sex club. And to each their own. But to suggest for a heartbeat that this is not a part of hoodoo, that sex, that getting sex, that having sex, that having uh, enjoyable and profitable sex is not a part of hoodoo is absolutely ridiculous. Of course it is. First of all, it passes the song test. Have we not discussed the song test? Let's talk about the song test. Here's the song test. If I can find something in the music of a people's, then it was there. All right? You can come to me, and you can tell me all day and all night that there is no mosaic magic in Jamaica. There is no mosaic or Solomonic magic in Obeya and that that's all Jew stuff or weird British quote-unquote Israelites. May the Lord bless and keep them far away from me. And you can say that until your mouth goes dry. All I have to do is go and get a fucking 45 of the Toots and the Maytals singing the 6th and 7th book of Moses and put it on the old record player, and boom, you're wrong. You see what I'm saying? It's there. It passes the music test. And if you go and listen to the folk music, the blues, it's the, the, the jive, the whole nine yards of African Americans in the South and people in Southern culture and people in Baltimore and people who went everywhere during the Great Migrations, and you're going to come back and tell me, oh, well, there's no songs about sex, then you obviously think that Mr. Harris was really talking about pudding. All right? And, and God bless you. Bless, as Miss Loretta would say, bless, bless your heart. Uh, because he's not talking about pudding, okay? Trust me, he's, he's really not. He's really not talking about pudding. My wife makes a really mean banana pudding. I mean, it's great. Like, people will crawl over each other to get to my wife's banana pudding. And that being said, I also like her pudding. So just, you know, figure it out here, people. If the song is there, this is the same test. The music test is the same test that tells us that there are gay people, lesbian people, transsexual people, people with more than one partner, people engaged in prostitution, people living the sporting life, people being pimps and madams, people taking drugs, people drinking questionable liquor, people gambling and doing all sorts of other things. 
aka the sporting live, okay, the, that, that also passes the music test. And the list of songs about sex and about sex that has a connection to hoodoo are, are just rife. I mean, you just if you can't find them, you're not looking. All right? There are dozens of songs in which we have songs about sexual matters, sexual illusion, double entendre, etc., and mojo bags, this, that, and the other thing, power, po- you know, all the whole nine yards, okay? And those songs go together, meaning they're not two separate songs. They're a single song, okay? Uh, and, and it's right there. If anyone could bring me, anyone could bring me traditional Irish ballads that involved component parts of hoodoo. I don't care what it was, a black cat bone, spider egg dumplings, uh, putting powders around your bed, uh, and waking up dead. Uh, uh, going to the going to the graveyard to 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 place things in the graveyard. Going to the crossroads to meet whoever the fuck it is at the crossroads that's at the crossroads. It, you know, no doubt accompanied on fife. If you could bring me those, I would go. Shit, man! Apparently, Irish are far more involved in hoodoo than I had ever fucking thought. <clears throat> but you don't hear that. You do have Irish songs about ghosts. Oh, that's right out the uh, time. And about cruel landlords and about star-crossed lovers and about curses and baleful apparitions and things that, you know, are passed down generationally. And, you know, these morias, these dooms that are passed down. But I have yet to hear anyone you know, in a, just a, a sort of a song. I'm gonna. My mammy, my mam used to just sing this song to us as she was, as she was rocking us in our cradles. She would sing about the spider egg dumplings. No, no, she fucking didn't. Neither did your grandmother, your great grandmother, your great great grandmother, your great 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 grandmother. It didn't fucking happen. That's how we know Irish people are not the creators, the inventors of fucking. It's also the exact same way. Now I got to do this because uh, Troll said it. Oh, Toby boy, the red flannel makes you. Oh, Toby boy. No, see, the same, the same test. The same test tells us that open sexuality was going on. The same test that tells us that there were people of alternative sexual lifestyles and that there were people having sex and that there were people interested in sex and that there were people using conjure to get sex. We know it. We know it. You can't fucking debate it. Okay? You cannot debate it. You can't say that those things don't exist. You can't reinterpret it. Pudding can only be pudding so long. Backdoors can only be backdoors so long. Eating chicken can only be fried chicken so fucking long. Before, you know, uh, uh, pumping a pump until it comes can only be a water pump so long. Until you're just inundated. 
with this. So we know it's there. Now, let me go further out. I, and I see y'all leaving the chat room in droves, by the way. So, ha <laughs> ha! Anyway, bring in a nastier issue. If any of the people that are saying this bullshit, if any of the people that are saying that hoodoo conjure root work, okay, is is sex negative, that sex is primarily portrayed only as a, a married heterosexual couple engaging in sex for procreation in the dark in the missionary position. And the speaker of that lie is not a person of color. The speaker of that lie is a white person. I, I'm going to try to say this as clearly as I can. You are wicked and you are evil. And here's why. Because you're playing both sides of the fucking street. African Americans in this country have had the stick of overt sexuality hit them for generations. They have been called every name in the book about it, loose, easy, rabid. They have been portrayed as being villainous, as being out of control, as being animalistic. They have been savagely, savagely discriminated against and messed with and fucked over under an argument that they were too sexual. This is where we end up with all this bullshit about the Jezebel spirit, Mandingo, a, a buck, etc. Okay? This is where we end up with all this bullshit, evil, evil, of people talking about welfare queens and look how many babies she's got. Do you even know who those babies' daddies are, etc.? You cannot. Well, you can because you're a jackass. But I would wish that people would not be so wicked and evil to then turn around and do the opposite. In other words, first you're going to say they're too sexual. Then you're going to say they're asexual. Okay? This is, this is a fucking game that is played by people of wickedness on every group they don't like. You're too hardworking, you're too lazy. You're too sexual, you're not sexual enough. You're too cold. You're too intellectual, you're, not, you're too physical. You're good at making money, you're all fucking greedy. Okay? Every single fucking time. And it's done to almost every group of people. They say this shit about people who are homosexual. They say this shit about people who are Asian. They say this shit about Jews. You can even watch the progression. In my lifetime, and certainly in my friend Catherine Ironwood's lifetime, Jewish girls have been gone from being, quote, hot lays to now being seen as ball-busting emasculators. All right? Are either of those true? No, it's just fucking bullshit you're putting on us, okay? Uh, so if you are a white person saying this about hoodoo, seriously, fuck off. I mean, I don't have a nice way to put it. I don't have time to say this to you. 
you can't, I mean, you can, but it's wicked, and you shouldn't claim both sides against people. You're too sexual. Now I'm going to say you're not sexual. Hey, man, there's no way to win. The fuck is there? Okay? <clears throat> Particularly when you consider the absolute overt evil and disgusting preoccupation with African-American women's sexuality in this fucking country. And let me tell you the reason why and where it came from. It came because they were kept as chattel slavery. Chattel slavery. You know, animals. And what do you do with animals? You breed them. And so you have a lot in the past. You have a lot of fucking slave owners, white motherfucking slave owners who are way overtly concerned with their female black slaves' sexuality. All right? And so for you now as a white person to come in and try to, with some broad brush, alter uh, to have a, yet another what, what you're doing is the same thing you're way fucking overtly caught up about this this also goes out to all of you folks who say that hoodoo love work is a form of rape that's right oh I'm lumping you in here too uh, sorry no you shall not escape the barb of my tongue either you're, you're, you're just as out of line okay because again you're telling a group of people who come from women who were often raped by masters, I mean, the whole nine yards, okay? You're now telling them that their love work, their magical and spiritual work to gain love and partners is in itself equal to rape. Wow! I mean, get off my porch. I mean, don't even be in my yard. I mean, if you could see clear not coming down my street, that'd be great, but I can't do shit about the street. But seriously, I am now an old enough man to say, get off, get out of my yard. I mean, just, just go the fuck away with this shit because you think that you can sell whatever you want. You think that you can turn it around. It's yours now, and you're going to change it. And I know the trajectory on this, man. I've seen it. I get it. I, I know exactly what's going on with the fucking Kabbalah and ceremonial magic nowadays and for the past fucking hundred plus fucking years. I get it. The minute people aren't using their shit, you think you can – well, the Jews weren't even using the Kabbalah when I found it. Really? Well, the Jews don't even – you know, they, don't, they weren't even using mosaic magic when I found it. Really? Well, the Jews, they don't know anything about Solomonic magic. It's named after Solomon, you idiot. Okay? And now you want to do the same thing to Hoodoo. You want to come in and say, well, you know, I mean, uh, it's rape, and it's this, and it's coercion, and it's evil, and it's wicked, and it's too sexy, and it's not sexy enough, and it needs to be more sexy. It needs to be less sexy, and it needs to be about this. It needs to have a dollar amount that puts money in my pocket. Hey, man, fuck off. All right? Just get the fuck out of here because, listen, it's there. Don't believe me? Go take the music test. It'll take you about, well, let's say, 40 minutes. 40 minutes, and you can, on, on your computer, the internet is your friend, and you can find tons of songs. Go to YouTube. Go out to music lists. Go to, go to places where people collect blues songs. And you will get a goddamn education real goddamn quick. You're not going to take sex out of hoodoo. 
You're not. It's impossible. For the same reason that all of you handmaidens tail loving fucking assholes who want to punish women for getting rape and make abortion illegal and do all this crazy shit are not going to take sex out of life. And the number one reason you're not going to be able to take it out is because at the end of the day, hoodoo remains, remains something that belongs to a matriarchy. And you're not going to take it away from women. You're just not. They're going to embrace their own sexuality, and God help us and bless us all. May they do so. And men are going to do so too without being rapists, without being oppressors, without being ugly assholes. And together we're going to get someplace because no matter how much you want to alter hoodoo, no matter how much you want to make your quick buck off of it, no matter what flag you want to hoist up on your flagpole and say that facts are no longer facts, all you're going to do is hoist yourself on your own petard. And at the end of the day, oh, at the end of the day, hoodoo is still going to have its shake, its rattle, and its roll.
Yeah, man. Uh-oh. Well, a little too much Dr. Love there. Oh, yeah. So let's hand out those spring rolls. We got one spring roll for Troll Towelhead and two spring rolls for Catherine Ironwood. And, of course, they come either in vegetarian, chicken, or pork. That was, in fact, Shake, Rattle, and Roll by Big Joe Turner. And if, darlings, you honestly believe that that was a song about pots and pans or a one-eyed cat peeping in a seafood store i've got a bridge in brooklyn i'd love to sell you cheap you know don't take it too serious i'm just doing my best like we all are here on the lmc radio network to just send out a little just to send out a little signal to you uh What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige Zafiriu, Wednesdays 3 to 4.30, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, for that update of our shows each and every week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your friend and mine, the old host of the KTXT Saturday Night Monster Chiller Horror Theater, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Count Goulash. Oh, 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 yes, oh, it is I, boys and girls, Count Goulash, oh, it's very spooky tonight, and I am here to talk to you about something that's not so spooky, but is very helpful to you. Do you know what it is? I can tell you, my friends. It is the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that can visit? I know because I have been there. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. 
for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about? I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Why not go there in person and visit? You can bring your children and show them the beautiful train set and wonder to yourself how all of the tiny little people on the train set got so tiny. Were they always so tiny? (laughs) They were not. But that is another story for a different time. And then, if you are feeling unsettled or unnerved, you can go and walk over to the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, the world's smallest church, and take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation before you go into the Lucky Mojo Curio Company at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and browse through the aisles seeing thousands of items from all around the world, buy them and take them home with you. But if you cannot get there, do not worry, because through the power of modern science, you can visit them online at www.luckymojo.com. That's right, www.luckymojo.com. And in the privacy, quiet, and secrecy of your own home, can browse through page after page, not only filled with informative facts, but also beautiful products that you can buy and have sent discreetly to your own home for your own purposes. <laughs> yes, and all of it comes from the Lucky Mojo Curio Company at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, or online at www.luckymojo.com. Tell them Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> I swear, I mean, it's just, we should just give him his own show. I mean, I mean, I just give him his own show, man. Give him his own show. That's it. It, it, There's no way to follow that. There's just, there's no way to follow that. Up next, we're going to go to our new section. That's right, a brand new section of the show. To answer all those questions you've been sending in about playing cards, we call it Cards. Friends, this is T. Texas Tyler with a strange story about a soldier boy and a deck of cards. During the North African campaign, a bunch of soldier boys had been on a long hike and they arrived in a little town called Casino. The next morning being Sunday, several of the boys went to church. A sergeant commanded the boys in church and after the chaplain had read the prayer, the text was taken up next. Those of the boys who had a prayer book took them out. But this one boy had only a deck of cards and so he spread them out. The sergeant saw the cards and said, Soldier, put away those cards. After the services was over, 
A soldier was taken prisoner and brought before the provost marshal. The marshal said, Sergeant, why have you brought this man here? For playing cards in church, sir. And what have you to say for yourself, son? Much, sir, replied the soldier. The marshal said, I hope so, for if not, I shall punish you more than any man was ever punished. The soldier said, Sir, I've been on the march for about six days. I had neither Bible nor prayer book, but I hope to satisfy you, sir, with the purity of my intentions. With that, the boy started his story. You see, sir, when I look at the ace, it reminds me that there is but one God. And the deuce reminds me that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and the New Testament. And when I see the tray, I think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And when I see the four, I think of the four evangelists who preached the gospel. There was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when I see the five, it reminds me of the five wise virgins who trimmed their lamps. There were ten of them. Five were wise and were saved. Five were foolish and were shut out. And when I see the six, it reminds me that in six days, God made this great heaven and earth. When I see the seven, it reminds me that on the seventh day, God rested from his great work. And when I see the eight, I think of the eight righteous persons God saved when he destroyed this earth. There was Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. And when I see the nine, I think of the lepers our Savior cleansed. And nine out of the ten didn't even thank him. When I see the ten, I think of the ten commandments God handed down to Moses on a table of stone. When I see the king, it reminds me there is but one king of heaven, God Almighty. And when I see the queen, I think of the blessed Virgin Mary, who is queen of heaven, and the jack or knave is the devil. When I count the number of spots on a deck of cards, I find 365, the number of days in a year. There's 52 cards, the number of weeks in a year. There's four suits, the number of weeks in a month. There's 12 picture cards, the number of months in a year. There's 13 tricks number of weeks and a quarter. So you see, sir, my pack of cards serves me as a Bible, almanac, and prayer book. And friends, this story's true. I know because I was that soldier. Oh, oh yes. That was, of course, a deck of cards by T. Texas Tyler as he announced. So, you know, it wasn't that hard to get that one. Y'all should have gotten it. It was right there in the beginning. Anyway, <coughs> the uh, spring roll goes to Troll Towelhead. Congratulations. Once again, you get either vegetarian chicken or pork. They're all delicious. In this new section, we're going to be talking about reading playing cards. We're doing this because there have been piles, just piles of letters sent in. So before we go any further, let me say this. You can sit here for the next, oh, I don't know, 10 weeks and listen to me tell you piecemeal about all this. And you can press your ear against the speaker or put your headsets on nice and close and jot it all down. Or you could save yourself a lot of time and trouble and go over to the Lucky Mojo Curio Company or to Amazon and buy yourself a copy of A Deck of Spells by me, Professor Charles Porterfield. And everything that I'm going to tell you is going to be in there as well. So, but apparently some folks like to hear it said like to hear it ooze out across the airwaves. So we're going to ooze it out across the airwaves just for you. It's a very large topic, 
and it has a lot of history to it. And to paraphrase Miss Catherine Ironwood, I shall not bore you with the history of playing cards, except to say a couple of points. They are fairly old, um, a lot older than you might imagine, and they do descend from what eventually would become dominoes, and therefore both of them descend from dice, a six-sided dice, and they all descend from lots. So, although the reading of playing cards has become its own form of legitimate divination, it still, with patterns and forms and how you put them down and how they interact together, it is still essentially a form of sortilege. We, you are still essentially taking a bunch of random elements and you're mixing them all up and you're casting them down and seeing what you get. This is its most ancient and true history. I will also take a brief moment to tell you that playing cards precede. They come before. They are before. They don't come after. They come before. They proceed. Now they precede, not proceed. Uh, tarot cards. Tarot cards were invented and created by whoever it is you wish to believe. I, I won't get into a fight with you about that. If you want to believe that the Egyptian god Thoth himself made them, so be it. That's your right. But I can tell you as a historic fact that before there were tarot cards in any form, there were playing cards. And in fact, tarot cards originally served as regular cards for a card game, tarotchi, and they were with the regular playing cards, which is the reason that the minor arcana, quote-unquote, are exactly the same as a deck of cards, ace through ten, etc. And you can obviously see the relationship between a coin and a diamond, a spade and a sword, a club and a wand, etc. I felt needed to be said before we went any further because there's a lot of oh, there's a lot of brouhaha, there's a lot of mystery and a lot of lies and a lot of misinformation and a lot of malformation about the information regarding playing cards and I encourage you to read up on it on yourself, you would be surprised how important playing cards are from a historic perspective. There are, in fact, numerous historical societies devoted simply to the history of playing cards, both the collecting of them and preservation of them, but also the tracking of them, their history, and celebrating that history and keeping it alive. And you can even become a member of one of these playing card societies, should you wish. I know I am. Now, what you've really been asking about, though, is how do I learn to play or read playing cards? That's what everyone wants to know. And then, of course, people want to know, I, I, I put down these playing cards, what does it mean? Now, I will not get into a situation of answering for you uh, you know, you mail me and say, oh, I had a deck of cards and I did whatever. I shuffled them and this is what came out. Three of clubs and four of spades and five of diamonds and the queen of hearts. What does it mean, Professor Porterfield? I'm not going to do that and I'll tell you why. It's a little disingenuous of you to ask me. I'm a professional card reader. If you want me to read your cards, I would be happy to. And I am readily available. All you have to do is go to professorporterfield.com book some time and I'll be happy to read cards for you. Hell, I would read cards for the devil himself if he asked. 
I think that everyone should have the ability to have their cards read, and that's why I offer that service. So please, could you not keep sending me pictures and letters and snaps of these cards that you've put out and asking me what it means? That being said, I definitely enjoy it very, very much when you send me pictures of cards, playing cards that you randomly encounter in the environment around you. I was walking in the park and I found this card. What could that mean? I'd be happy to take some time and tell you. And I would advise anyone who happens to encounter loose playing cards roaming around in the world that maybe the first thing you should not do is pick them up. You might be surprised how much spell work is used with playing cards. I myself never pick up a random card that I see floating about. You know, it's in the street, it's in a field, it's in the graveyard, it's at the crossroads, it's inside a church. Because my assumption is generally that that card may have been used for spell work. And I don't necessarily care to interfere with that spell work or get into it. But as an omen or a sign then I would be happy to answer you as best I can. So please feel free. I, I offer the interpretation of omens and signs also as a service at a much reduced, if not free, cost. Now, where shall we start to learn about reading playing cards? Well, we have a two-hour show, so what we're sure as hell not going to do is go through all of the various PIP numbers 1 through 10. We're not even going to go through all of the suits, spade, heart, club and diamond. We're not even going to start by discussing the court cards or the face cards. We're not going to start by discussing layouts. What we're going to do is we're going to start with the simplest and then through the next, oh, 10 weeks or so, we'll build. So let's start with a generalized simple beginning. You will often find, and of course, please remember something, the interpretation of playing cards is radical. It's different from culture to culture. You will see overlaps, but it is in no way similar to tarot cards, where you have a systemized, you know, everybody's kind of vaguely, at least in general agreement. No, 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 no. You will find one group of people in one part of the world that will tell you that the four of spades is the just most horrible card you could ever encounter. And then you'll have someone else who says, oh, well, it's not that bad. And then someone else will say it might even be good. So please understand that everything I'm telling you, you must take with a certain amount of salt because it's coming from where I sit here in the south the southern part of the United States of America and in the culture that is around that and in American culture. So I'm not going to be teaching you the German method of reading cards or the Spanish method of reading cards. There are far superior individuals that you should go to to learn that, and it would be valuable to you to learn that. Instead, I'm going to be talking about the general English method, which has been blended in to become the American method. Now, in this, you will generally find a following truism. Red cards are thought of as being more positive. They bring more benefit. They talk about more blessings. They're not all individually great cards, but as a general group, 
red cards good, and therefore black cards bad. It's a simplification. Of course it's a simplification, but you have to start somewhere. And please don't take that to be anything other than a simple beginning. Red cards good, black cards bad. Eventually, as we learn together, I would hope, you will see that some red cards are pretty damn bad, and some black cards are very good. But in generally, red cards bad, excuse me, red cards good, black cards bad. Now, understanding that, I can teach you the simplest playing card reading that I know. And here it is. One picks up a deck of cards. One shuffles the deck. As one shuffles the deck, for however many times, I advise seven. Now, why do I advise seven? Well, right now you might be going, oh, it's a magic number, seven, lucky seven, this, that, and the other seven, and the seven this, and the seven that, and the seven sisters. No, the reason I advise seven is because mathematics, mathematical science has proven that seven riffle shuffles completely randomizes a deck of 52 cards. If you are to riffle shuffle a deck of cards seven times without any further manipulation, because obviously there are certain people that can highly manipulate cards, no matter what cards those are, seven shuffles will completely randomize it. In fact, the occurrence of those cards in the pattern that they end up in Meaning, if you took them all and you laid them all out, and you looked at them, this is the first card and this is the 52nd card. That pattern, the, the chances of it reoccurring again in exactly that same way is a number far too big for me to quote. It's one in, and then you would have a one, and you would have so many zeros after that one that if you wrote them out at 12-point font, and I've checked, that number would stretch from here to the surface of Jupiter. So it's a very, very, very big number. These are very randomized. These are very, very randomized cards now. And they should be. This, as you go on to learn to read cards, once you keep that in mind, you'll start to discover that, you know, this is a little odd because it's Cards. You know you will randomize them. You know you will have them in this huge randomization, and yet you'll start seeing patterns occurring again and again with particular people reading about particular subjects. It'll be almost impossible. Now, we were asked, what is a riffle shuffle? Well, a riffle shuffle is a common shuffling technique that's called a riffle or a dovetail shuffle or a leafing the cards in which half the deck is dealt in each hand with the thumbs inward. The cards are released by the thumbs so that they fall to the table, interlevied. Okay? So this is the most the traditional classic way, okay, of shuffling cards, and most of the time you see them. There are other shuffles. There's an overhand shuffle. There's the Hindu shuffle. There's a pile shuffle. There's a corgi shuffle. There's a Mongean shuffle. There's a weave and faro shuffle. There's a Mexican spiral shuffle. And, of course, there are false shuffles. And there are even shuffling machines. So, now, we've got our 52 cards. I personally use 53 because I keep the one joker in the deck. And we shuffle them seven times. 
so that I can keep count, I often shuffle them three times one direction and three times the other direction so I don't overtly bend my cards because you have to take care of your cards. And then once I've shuffled them seven times, you will ask a question. You can ask this question while you're shuffling. This should, this needs to be a yes-no question. Do not ask, where am I going in my life? Because where am I going in my life cannot be answered by yes-no. I suppose it can. No, you're not going anywhere. Yes, you're going somewhere. But you want to ask a yes-no question. So you ask the yes-no question. I am uh, very much in favor of asking such questions out loud, but you need not. And then you finish shuffling. You cut your cards in traditional three piles. And then you turn over three cards. One, two, three. If you have turned over three red cards, the answer is yes. Absolutely yes. If you have turned over two red cards and a black card, it is a modified yes, a lesser yes, more maybe yes, but, yes, but. If you turn over two black cards and a red card, then it's a modified no. Maybe not really. It's a uh, no, but, no, but. And if you turn over three black cards, the answer is an absolute no. That is the simplest method I know to teach you to begin with. Why do we begin here? Because you will find that if you can use this system, if you start just doing this, three cards, yes, no questions, as you learn about these cards, what their suits mean, and what the various pips and face cards mean, then you will be able to add a new layer to it. Here's your maybe reading. Two yes, one no. And the no is the four of spades. Four of spades often talks about sickness. So you will eventually learn that, ah, the possibility of no here is there might be sickness that might delay me or sickness that might keep me from going on that trip when I asked, will I go to Virginia or will I go wherever? And this is a way to simplistically begin building your knowledge about the cards with a simple three-card cut. And we will talk about more next week. I hope you'll take some time this week to get yourself a deck of cards. They need not be expensive. And do some simple three-card yes-no readings for yourself. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen. And we're going to be talking about shame, Briar. Oh, shame, shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame. 
tenofluoride. So that's also in the same big, big family, okay? Remember, we're talking about big families here. But in its role as a sensitive plant, where we see it called sensitive briar, shame face, shame gem, shaming Judy, um, as well as a shame plant, here its leaves will rarely collapse or draw in towards themselves when touched, closing up as if they were ashamed or as if they were fainting. It's not really sold. Uh, You can't really get it through a spiritual supply shop uh, because of how it's gathered to be used. And if it was dried, it would be of very little use primarily when it's used. The person who first gathers it is the person that is given the power or empowered by it to use it. So that's the first person who picks it. Um, so you want to, you know, think about that. You're not going to be able to send off. You're going to have to go out and find them. But they're easy to cultivate, so you could even grow one. You can use Shamebriar to get an enemy to leave you alone. To do this, you would find a growing Shamebriar and pass your hands over its leaves. And as they close up, you would call the enemy's name and say, be shamed. So, John Heal, this guy's name is John Heal. John Heal, be shamed. You do this six times and then pick the six folded leaves. You put three in your left shoe and three in your right shoe. And your enemy will no longer harm you. And you will walk shielded over anything that that enemy might have put down for you. So you see right there, there's a perfect example of why you're not going to be able to buy this. See? Because you've got to go to the living plant. The living plant has an action. We've entered a whole new world here, children. We are now in a place where the ritual, the action, the trick, the spell is taking place at the plant. This is where it's taking place. You can't order a gum tree to bore a hole in it and put something in. I mean, you can. You can buy trees commercially. But are you really going to go out and buy a gum tree every time you want to bore a hole in a gum tree to seal something up in the gum tree? Of course not. You're going to find a gum tree and start working with the gum tree. It's the same sort of situation here. We're doing the action at the plant. All right? You can also use Shamebriar to get a job. To do this, you pass your hand over a growing Shamebriar and say, Be shamed. Be shamed until the leaves faint, until they fold up, and then you dig three pieces of its root. You soak the roots in Hoyt's cologne and wear this as a perfume when you go to apply for work. Or you can sew those three pieces into a piece of red flannel and feed this hand that you've made with Hoyt's cologne and carry it on you when asking for a job. Again, what did we do? We had to do it at the plant. The plant is alive. It's alive. It's alive. (laughs) It's alive. And you do your work there, and then you're collecting the root. Now, in this matter of collecting the root, you could also chew the roots 
or use a twig of the shame briar as a toothpick when you go to look for work. However, you decide to do this with the shame briar roots or twig, look your boss, look the person you're applying, it's going to be your boss, the person who's going to hire you in the eye when you are being interviewed. And shame briar will make the boss hire you because you appear to be both humble, shamed, and forthright, looking them in the eye. So you see how we're using both things, shame and forthrightness. Humble, to be humble, just like we humbled the enemy before. These are a few of the things you can do with a shame briar. You'll also find that if you pay attention to children, they already know where they're growing. I remember them as a child. We loved them. We loved them because they moved. You see? So sometimes you've got to listen to your kids because they might know. And also, if you're looking to teach your children about hoodoo, about root work, and you want to pass it on, this and a Rose of Jericho are wonderful and fun ways to teach your children about it. Because, I mean, my son, when he was little, was amazed that, as in the case of a Rose of Jericho, this seemingly dead mass of uh, uh, organic material would just come alive and become green again if we put water in it. So he was willing to listen to me tell him, and this is how we use it, because he had already seen this miraculous thing happen. It's the same thing for shame briar. Children will be delighted to see it close up. And although we often in Hoodoo think about enemies, oh, these people are throwing on me, and this, that, and the other thing. By the way, next week we may be talking about that in our pontification. I want you to consider this. Very few of us have a ready enemy. We have people we encounter. We have people that we don't like. We have people that have screwed us over. We have a need or a desire or a design for revenge. But we don't have a lot of out and out, you know, like I can't go near that guy or he'll do something, enemies, if we're lucky and if we've been living our lives in a fairly non-aggressive way. This is not true for children. Children have lots of enemies. And children have active enemies. They're called bullies. They face them every day at school. They face them every day on the playground. They face them every day on the bus and on the walk to school and in the park when they go to play with their friends. It's almost an inevitable part of childhood that there will be bullies, other children. So what are we going to do? Are we going to hot foot all these children? Are we going to take all these children to the graveyard? Goodness, I would hope not. Why not just do this? We can use a shame briar on them to make them stop. Simple, it's elegant, it's beautiful, it's calm, it's gentle. It uses a living plant. And all we're trying to do is to make that young bully see the shame. In other words, you really shouldn't be doing this. You really shouldn't be. You should be ashamed of tormenting people and harming them, and stealing their lunch money. If kids still carry lunch money, I don't know. So think about that. Think about the wonderful aspect of a plant that moves. It's sort of magical in itself. But, of course, that's because of failure in our education. All plants move, but they don't normally pull themselves up and chase you. Uh, that, by the way, is a quote from uh, Day of the Triffids. But 
It is true. Plants do, of course, move, and there are, of course, carnivorous plants and capillary plants. Capillary plant, example of capillary plant, would be the Rose of Jericho. So there's, there's more going on out there than perhaps in thy philosophy, Horatio. Think about it. Take a little time this week to go out and learn about shame briar. See if you can find it growing in your local area. They do grow in the south. Look at the rest of the mimosa family. It's a fascinating and beautiful family. Uh, there, be careful. There are some misnames. Uh, the Persian silk tree is called mimosa in the United States, and it's really not. But this is a sort of, and by the way, the Persian silk tree or the pink silk tree, incredibly popular in the South. Incredibly, incredibly popular in the South. They're, they're, they're all, in Texas, they're everywhere. Okay? I mean, the, the pink silk tree is, is I mean, you can't drive around without seeing them. And, and we love them, even though, my God, the pollen. Ugh. But don't confuse those. That's the, not the right kind of mimosa we're talking about. No, are we talking about the champagne and orange juice drink? So take a little while this week. Go out, learn about Shamebriar. I've been saving it. I wanted to save it for you because I didn't want to squander it early on. I wanted you to have a little more botanical knowledge so that you could really appreciate this very sensitive and very delicate and beautiful plant and the work you could do with it. We want to thank Miss Catherine Ironwood for her allowance of inclusion from her book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, A Materia Magica of African American Conjure, an excellent book that we take information from as long as, as well as our own knowledge for the In the Kitchen section each and every week. Thank you so much, Catherine, for allowing us to use it here. Well, we've had quite a night, haven't we? We talked about sex. We got a little hot under the collar about it. We talked about Shane Breyer, and we started the beginning of a series of discussions about reading playing cards with the simplest one. So I hope that this week you will look into your playing cards, look at Shame Briar, as well as if you see somebody out there uh, being weird about sex and hoodoo and conjure and passing a bunch of lies that maybe at least in a small way you'll join the rest of us in standing up and saying now hold on a moment that's not true because such lies normally become ground for trouble they're normally going and I'm afraid my friends and listeners that we are living in dangerous times when such things grow to become other things. Hopefully it will stop soon. Hopefully soon, 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 such things will come to an inevitable end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. I'll eat Fort Worth, Texas, and go to Texas, Canada, and don't fight the Fort Worth. I'm on down to Dallas, drink corn with Kitty. 
Coming through the territory in Kansas City And Kansas City, St. Louis And St. Louis, Chicago I'm on my way to the